Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Sunday, June 7th, joined by my good buddy Santino Cocon. Back-to-back days with you, buddy. Uh, we're here breaking down some more baseball for you guys as, I mean, we're getting closer. We're going to hear something, whether it's one way or another, Santino. Every day we're probably going to keep bringing it up uh, as it approaches, but we're getting there, brother. So we're going to we're breaking down the Red Sox for you today. We were here on yesterday breaking down the Yankees. So two of the most historic franchises, uh, you know, one probably uh, a little bit better, I guess. I don't know if there's a, an easy way to say that, but we spent a good amount of time on the Yankees almost an hour and a half yesterday because they had so many players that are just so relevant for DFS. Um, don't think that we're going to be on for an hour and a half today, though, Santino. So a little bit of a lighter show. Uh, you know, but how are you doing? It's Sunday. Uh, we spent a little time together, buddy. Uh, I got to hang out with you a little bit yesterday. You're home now, but how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. It's a nice day out. Uh, yeah, I did drive back this morning. Um, yeah, yesterday we spent a little longer because uh, the Yankees are just so deep that their bench could start on most teams or should start on most teams if they if they weren't there. Uh, but this is going to be a little different Red Sox lineup. It's not the World Series champions from two years ago. They did lose. They did trade Mookie Betts. They did trade David Price. They lost Chris Sale. They lost their manager for reasons that uh, we won't get into. But um, you, if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock, uh, <laughs> or if you haven't been living under a rock, you know what they are. Uh, but yeah, this pitching staff isn't that great. Putting it nicely, uh, but this this top of the order is very intriguing, and uh, we'll, we'll get into why. Absolutely. But before we jump into everything, just want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor. Uh, and today's podcast is brought to you by TVG, uh, where you can where the world watches and wagers on horse racing. So if you guys haven't checked them out, you can just uh, you can join TVG. Just go over to DFSCoachTalk.com. Uh, you get an exclusive offer that is a risk free bet of three hundred dollars. And, uh, you know, also, if you guys have a check, a uh, quick second, check out uh, BetUS. Com, another one of our presenting sponsors. They handle all of our sports wagering needs. We are happy to be with these guys. Looking forward to the partnership going forward. A uh, nice little fun way to get some action. Maybe if you want to take a step back for some DFS, whether it's prop bets, game bets, parlays, money lines, whatever your thing is, uh, have a good time and check them out, guys. So let's jump into this, Santino. I think that uh, I think we got a good pulse on the Red Sox lineup. We were talking. We always talk a little bit before we get on air for for a few minutes, but. Um, you know, let's start right at the top of the order, buddy. Andrew Benintendi. So, you know, if uh, a guy that was in their pipeline for plenty of years, um, one of their top prospects coming up, kind of had that same ring that we've seen uh, with Johan Moncada when he was over there and the same the same alarm bells for uh, Rafael Devers as well. You know, they just they're kind of one of those teams that always just grooms all star prospects and holds on to them for some time. But. Uh, we'll talk about, I guess, uh, you know, what his expectations are. What are you expecting from him heading into this season? Uh, I know he's pretty much one of those one of those splits hitters that we're generally trying to target against certain pitchers. But why don't you break down a little bit of Andrew Benintendi for me? Yeah. So last year, 138 games uh, was it was the worst of his career. Let's be honest. He's only been around the, in the league for a few years now, but last year was a very down year uh, for Nintendo 64 there. Uh, he had 13 home runs, 40 doubles, 68 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, uh, an OPS plus of 100. Oh, he had 72 runs as well, a 333 BABIP, a 165 ISO, and 140 Ks. Uh, his lowest walk rate since his call-up. All of this is just 
sounds bad. His, his splits, 266 batting average, 343 OBP, 431 uh, slugging. It was just bad. I'll just be frank. And But one thing you mentioned, the splits, he is much better versus righties uh, in his career. Last year was pretty even, uh, slightly better versus lefties, which is a good improvement, but it was just he was so bad against both that it didn't really uh, translate to anything. But if that is something going forward, uh, I can see an improvement in that, and that's a good thing. Uh, last year, his ground ball rate was down. His fly ball rate was up. When you see that, you tend to think, okay, uh, I kind of like that. Maybe there's more, more power coming, maybe some more doubles, home runs, uh, extra base hits. Um, he tried to lift the ball more, which, like I mentioned, you want to see um, – Eventually, I think this will lead to more pop, but last year it just didn't work out. Um, he, but he, he wound up changing his stance in mid-July before he got injured for the year, um, and his numbers after that were an improvement overall. Again, not a great improvement, but they were starting to come back. Um, then he got injured. All in all, bad year, but I expect a bounce back for this guy. I am extremely high on the 26-year-old N64. Uh, I think I don't know if he will be a premier power hitter, but I can see he, he, if he hit 40 doubles in a down year, I could see 50, 55 maybe doubles um, or translate that to 25 home runs. I think this is a guy that you're going to get very cheap because of that down year. Uh, maybe people stop forgetting that he was a budding all-star before that. And I will definitely play him early in the year against righties especially. And I expect, I just expect him to be among the top 15 outfielders in baseball. Yeah, I think I think the the splits are exactly how I'm going to target him early on in the season. I'm I'm basically going to be solely using him against those right-handed pitchers. Um, you know, you touched on it last season. The splits kind of you know shifted a little bit, but it was you, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was just a down season overall. I wouldn't read into too much that he started hitting lefties better than righties. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. Uh, he might have gotten slightly better against lefties, but. Um, I, he's not a guy that I, you know, the, the splits are, are variable. All the power that he has comes off of right-handed hitters, it seems like. So that's, I want that power. Um, you know, his stolen base upside is, I guess, a bonus. It's something that we slightly have to pay for in DFS. It doesn't, you know, magnify his salary or his price tag so much that it becomes hard to pay for. Cause he's, he's not, he's only a five. He's not a big dude. He's not a, he's not going to be a guy that hits 35, 30, maybe even 33 home runs, anything like that. I think 25 is probably where he's going to be at for like, almost like his ceiling. Um, the doubles is what we want to see. So if we can get anywhere near like those 50 doubles, um, that's a fantastic season. I don't think he can have a worse season than he did have. I think it's just going to be a pure bounce back. Um, and I like that number. That 25 home run number sounds something that I'm comfortable with swallowing and that I'd be okay with paying for. Obviously, he's going to be the most expensive guy in their outfield at this moment, but um, surrounded by still, even though with Mookie out of that lineup, they still got good bats surrounding him, and he should still be able to have plenty of chances to cross the plate for run totals. And leading off in this lineup is not a bad thing to do. So, I don't think his price tag will actually be anything to like. When you look at it, you're gonna, it's gonna turn you off. I think it's gonna be very evenly um, priced, maybe even lower than I will would expect for him because of that down year, because he was overshadowed by Mookie Betts, even when he was playing um, near an all-star level. So I, I really like what, or well, we don't fully know what his price tag is yet, but I'm expecting it to be in the range of, I'm going to play this guy a lot. Okay. Hey, listen, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm hope, I hope so. Um, he's a guy that I think that we can really capitalize off when you, and that's the thing. Uh, baseball is so driven by these splits and things like that. And, you know, when, knowing when the target guys and maybe when to kind of ease off the pedal a little bit. Um, so if we can get Benintendi on those right days, 
I'm all for it. I don't think, like I said, I don't think he's going to be crazy expensive. He'll probably be right where you said, maybe like the, if everybody's playing on said day, all the outfielders in the MLB, he might be like what? 15th, 16th guy off the board. As far as the price tags, would, maybe a little, maybe a little bit higher, slightly, maybe. I wouldn't, I don't think he would be in the top 15. Um, you don't think so? After last year, I don't even think he'd be in the top 20, maybe near the 30th. That's why I like, I think I would like him more because of, is what I'm expecting his price tag to be is below market value. That's a good call, then Santino. I like it, but we're gonna keep it uh, keep it moving to a player uh, who I actually expect the complete opposite from. So if you're expecting <laughs> a cheap salary that you could take advantage of, I'm expecting an overinflated salary that I might probably stay away from. And that's nothing to say about the player himself. Excellent ball player. Uh, it's just, I, I'm, I'm just a little, little bit worried about paying that premium. We're going to be talking about Raphael Devers now. So, uh, Devers obviously bursted onto the scene. We just talked about prospect pedigree with Ben and You can just say everything all over again for Raphael Devers. <laughs> uh, kid's an absolute stud. He's, he's got all the hit tools that he needs to be like an all-star and a successful player for his entire career in this league. And he figured it out at a very young age. So, uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit? Why don't you run through Raphael Devers stats, uh, real quick for us from last season. Um, and then my biggest question I'll pose to you is, do you think that he can replicate those stats or are you expecting him to maybe take a step back? Uh, so I'm not sure, uh, but I do know he burst onto the scene into stardom quicker than almost anyone could have expected. 32 home runs last year, 115 RBIs, 129 runs, a hilarious eight stolen bases, which which happened pretty early too, and a league-leading 54 doubles. Uh, this guy was just hitting gaps out of, he was just awesome. Uh, he tu- he cut down on his strikeout significantly. Um, he had from his call or uh, 2018 to 2019, he had two less strikeouts last year and 212 more at bats, not played appearances, at bats. Um, so I, I expect the continued improvement from a guy who is going to be the future of the Red Sox if he's not the present already. Um, but, yeah, he had a 311 batting average, 361 OBP, 555 slugging. He just turned it from he has the potential to be a very good third baseman to start him quickly. And when you're – we talked about it yesterday. The market in New York, um, it's just elevated. So when you are really good, your name gets thrown around a lot more and you're under the bright lights. Same thing in Boston. Uh, Boston loves their sports. Massachusetts loves their sports. A guy that bursts on the scene like this. Uh, he's going to be in the conversation, and like you said, he's going to be an expensive option every time he steps on the field. Um, but I do want to tell you, we talked about Ben and Nintendo 64 is better versus righties. Uh, Rafael Devers mashes righties. He absolutely demolished them last year on, I will just say, a 996 OPS versus righties against a 744 OPS against lefties. So when I am going to target him and I am going to pay a premium, it is going to be against a right-handed pitcher who is not that good. And uh, you should see that a lot. Now, there's a lot of them out there. So when, when I see that on the slate, that's where I'm targeting Devers. If I have to pay for him against the lefty, uh, that's I, I wouldn't ideally want to do that. Yeah, so I, I think my take on Devers is simple. I, I stated it pretty early. I think I'm probably going to shy away from him early on until I, I expect his salary to drop slightly. I'm expecting him to come in here and be one of the most expensive players um, at the position. Yeah, you know, He's probably going to be a top three or top four priced guy at the position. And it's all solely going to be based off of his counting stat production that he had last year. 
And I am expecting those, you know, the yeah. RBI and the run total to come down slightly. Home runs, I think, are real. Maybe he doesn't lead the league in doubles, but he'll probably hit at least 40 to 45. We're talking about 162-game season. Maybe it's not 50, what was it, 51, 52 um, again. But I expect the, the RBI and the run total to drop slightly. And for that reason, I think I'm just going to, you know, Again, it'd have to be a nice picture-perfect matchup. And we just talked about Ben Benintendi crushing righties. We just talked about him crushing righties. I mean, these are two guys that we'd end up almost wanting to stack together against the right pitcher, top of the lineup. We know that they both are very good. So in those kinds of situations, those are the, those are the situations I would probably take advantage of them early, bite the bullet on the price tag because it just fits my build. Uh, but I'm not going to go out of my way to play them as a one-off until I see a drop, at least a couple hundred dollars to where I feel comfortable uh, getting my value back on them. So uh, yeah, definitely, definitely all star. I would expect another all star season, even in a shortened season. This this dude's a future stud. Just his hit tool is unbelievable. He finds gaps. He he's a perfect hitter. Uh, there, and it's crazy saying that about a young guy. So so young. He's he's literally a prototypical perfect hitter. He's what the Blue Jays wanted, like Vlad Guerrero to come up here and do, uh, right away. So we'll keep yeah, it. You're right. Buddy. 129 runs is. I mean, I I wouldn't expect him to do that again. Um, so and the. I like the power numbers, but I, I do see a drop off in his numbers. But yeah, the right matchup where you can get him or you can fit him into that lineup with your, you have extra money to play with. He, he's all for it against righties. Absolutely. We'll keep him moving right next door to him at shortstop, Mr. <laughs> Xander Bogart. So another guy coming off of like what seems to be a career year. Um, absolutely, you know, overperformed. I, I, and I don't, when I say a lot of these guys, you know, overperformed, it just means that they're very, very good. And they did like incredibly good, you know, so it's just a great season for him. Not nothing to say, like, you know, I think Devers or Bogarts are going to be bad. No way. These guys are all stars. They're both they're both unbelievable. But he's another guy that I'm slightly worried about that had some overinflated stats. And I'm not with a lot of these guys on the Red Sox having, I think, overinflated stats. I'm not saying all these guys are necessarily going to take a step back because Mookie Betts is out of the lineup. I do think that's going to affect it a little bit. It's not going to be the end-all, be-all. It's still a pretty solid lineup through and through. Uh, It's just going to be a completely different situation surrounding their entire team. So I I can't can't go in there with the right mind and say that I think he can repeat this season. But why don't you talk a little bit about what you're feeling about Bogarts, and I'll, I'll just ask you straight up. Again, same thing with Devers. Do you think those stats can be repeated, or do you think we should just maybe take a small step back on them? I mean, anytime you lose a former MVP, your lineup is is significantly worse. Uh, but Bogarts had a career high career high in many categories last year, and I'll just name a couple of them: home runs, 33; doubles, 52; 117 RBIs, 384 on base percentage, 555 slugging. Those were all career highs. Uh, he also had 110 runs and uh, 309 batting average. He, in his career, he is much better versus lefties. Uh, or not much better. He's better versus lefties, but it's not a huge difference. Last year, he was he closed that gap, and he was actually a little bit better versus righties. Uh, maybe that was what happened to give him that uh, this fantastic season. Uh, but he had a down 2017. Take that out. He's top 20 home runs in three of the last four years outside of that down year. Uh, he finished fifth, fifth in MVP voting this year. Uh, he's a three-time All-Star, three-time Silver Slugger. He's been among the elite um shortstops in the game but he finally broke up he broke into the upper echelon last year with this amazing season um he was probably among the five six seven top shortstops but now he's he should be among the three when and and that's where he will will be priced regularly um 
this is the second time in his career that he had an or ISO over 200 and uh, his second highest BABIP at 338. But his career is 333 BABIP. So I see the power numbers are going to be hard to, to replicate. Um, I'm not totally certain that he can do that. Uh, but at 28 years old, he'll be 28 in October, so he's entering his prime right now. I can see him hitting 20, 25 home runs should be the standard for him, again, on a 162-game season. Maybe a little less doubles, a little less RBIs. Mookie Betts is not going to be there. But I don't see a huge drop-off, but I, the shortstop position is very deep now. It's extremely deep, and there are a lot of cheaper options out there in the right this right slate. It all depends on who they're going up against, and where I see him is determining on where I'm going to play him. But I know he's going to be very high-priced, so I might look elsewhere. Yeah, that's kind of my sentiments, too. I'm expecting, again, um, same thing that you said, the power numbers. I expect to take a small step back, not nothing drastic. Uh, I still think he has a chance that he can hit 30 home runs. But I would probably say that he, he does it, like, you know, very narrowly. It's not like he's going to clear 30. So I'm going to expect lower power numbers. I, you know, they still do have some protection for him. J.D.'s still behind him. Moreland's a very much of a platoon-type hitter. So in the right pitching matchups, you know, having him behind there, there is a little bit of protection where that he could still get his run total up there. Um, I'm just, again, you're going to be paying for a guy that just finished fifth in MVP voting. You're expecting a step back. Lineup got uh, slightly worse. We just talked about two guys that, you know, we're very much excited for. And shortstop's the deepest position in DFS, in my opinion, this season. So for all those reasons, I'll probably let him uh, be on other people's rosters. And yeah, I might I might be taking one off the chin if that happens. Uh, but once the salary starts to get to a price where I can stomach and feel confident in, um, then I'll go with him. Until then, I'll, I'll probably leave him off my board, um, give him sort of that Raphael Devers treatment. And if it ends up you know, biting me, it does. I, you know, There's uh, plenty of other MLB teams where I can get exposure to where I don't necessarily need to play these guys by any way, shape, or form. Keep it going, man. We're moving our way back to the outfield. J.D. Martinez, Mr. 40, home run man himself. DH. So, yeah, well, yeah, DH, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Used to be outfield. Outfield eligible in DFS. How's yeah. that? Oh, that's so, true. Uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about uh, about J.D. Martinez, I guess, what you're expecting from him this season. I mean, he seems like it's just year in and year out as long as this dude's healthy. He's a sure thing to about 35 to 40 home runs guaranteed. Great RBI total, great run total. You know what you're getting out of him. He's just solid. There's nothing yeah. else to it. Excellent hitter, excellent player, uh, and a guy that is going to be anchoring that four-hole for, for the entire season, without a doubt. So yeah. what do you think about him? So, again, it, you lose Mookie Betts at t- the top of the order. You expect a little less runs on the board, but these top four are really good players, so uh, it shouldn't really hurt J.D. too much. He'll be 33 in August. Uh, last year, we'll break down his numbers. 36 home runs, 105 RBIs, 98 runs, uh, 33 doubles, 304 average, 383 on base percentage, 557 slugging. I mean, this guy is, since he left Houston way back, uh, he's been one of the premier power hitters in the game. He Last year, he had a 939 OPS, no slouch. That was his third best OPS. Um, and five of the last six years, he's had an OPS north of 900 he like i said he's a premier power hitter uh every year he's if you average his career uh, 162 games i know he gets he had a few injuries but uh say his 162 game average is 35 home runs home runs 108 rbis pretty much in line with what he did last year um so i will definitely target this guy he's probably going to be for me the most reliable 
DFS option here in on this team. And uh, just like I said, Rafael Devers mashed righties last year. For JD's career, he mashes left-handed uh, left-handed pitchers. Just the last year, I'll throw in the 2019 because um, it was a lot more drastic than his career. It was just extremely different. So we'll, we'll, he had a 404 average last year against uh, left-handers compared to a 272 average against righties. 494 on base percentage against uh, 344 and an 887 slugging percentage um, compared to 449. So that's, if you're doing the math, 1,381 OPS against 793. Uh, if you played him against left-handers, odds are you were making some a lot of money last year. Um, and, and I'm expecting... Uh, his career is not as drastic, but it is a sizable difference. And anytime there is a lefty on the mound that is not uh, a one number one, number two starter, and even in that case, I am getting some exposure to this guy. Yeah, I mean, JD's like as sure as the sun rises in the morning, man. I mean, that's only a year removed from leading the MLB in RBIs with 130. So it. As sure as 35, 40 home runs could be from like almost any player. Um, you talked about the, the the splits, and that's why I love, I think, the Red Sox when, when you're trying to target and actually construct a lineup with them, is that the splits make the lineup for you. It dictates who yeah. you're playing just by who's on the mound. It's very simple. Uh, you can easily stack against a lefty, and you can stack against a righty, or you can use these guys as one-off pieces in any way, shape, or form. And um, as we get further down the lineup, that's where it gets easier to kind of construct it, because obviously the guys in the top four holes are going to be the most priced up guys. It's like that for every team, no doubt about it. But we still have a little bit of pieces that we're going to get to who are going to be useful where maybe we're not paying up for Devers and JD, but we can get one of these guys and then also get a guy later on in the lineup who can have some impact as well. And then there's still, you know, Benintendi at the top. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always stoked about, about JD Martinez. He's been one of the guys that I know we talk about our year long fantasy leagues where I target every single year that we do these, but I never end up getting him. I never, I, I never have him on my team. He's, I don't know why I, I think I, I, maybe I'm late. Maybe I'm like, I don't know what it is. Uh, but he's a guy that you can't go wrong with, man. It's just, yeah. it's the most solid production. I think of anybody in this lineup, uh, he's going to get overlooked without Mookie, which oh, yeah. I mean, do it at your own cost. Cause this guy, until he's not the a premier power hitter in this league, he, I'm going to assume that he's going to drop 35 to 40. Absolutely. And um, we'll go to the the platoon, I guess, over there at first base. Now, these two guys, they'll, you know, between Mitch Moreland and Michael Chavis, they'll both probably see a fair time, fair amount of playing time. Chavis is pretty much locked into playing time, regardless of where it is on the diamond, whether it's at DH, first base or second base. He's going to be on the, in the lineup more often than not. Uh, Moreland's uh, strictly going to be a platoon hitter for them. So that's what you're going to see when um, I believe he's, he crushes righties is what it is. And when there's a lefty on the mound, then you're going to probably see Michael Chavis slide over to first base. And then they play up, I believe it's Peraza at second. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm all for Moreland. He's a first baseman. I always talk about how I hate the depth at the position. He's, you know, it's not a big name. We're not paying anything for Mitch Moreland. He's going to be dirt cheap. And he is a massive power hitter. It's just only against one arm. He can't, he can't, <laughs> hit, can't hit lefties. Absolutely smokes righties. So it's that simple. We talked about this already with their splits. Play him against righties. Don't even think about him against a lefty. He's not going to even be in the lineup where you need to even worry about it against a lefty half the time. So if you see he slotted in there in an early game, feel comfortable playing with him. Obviously, if it's going against a top arm, 
that's different. But when when you know he's got a decent guy that he's going against on the mound and he's a right-handed pitcher, I have no issues paying that cheap, cheap salary for a guy that's got – we just talked about the four guys in front of him. Maybe Moreland's not that caliber, but these guys are going to find themselves on base plenty of times. There's going to be opportunities for him. And having a guy like Chavis behind him, you know, he's not otherworldly. Chavis isn't necessarily that next big thing just yet. But he's still a solid guy behind him where he can find himself scoring a couple of runs here and there. I wouldn't expect anything crazy, uh, but enough where we can get that little bit of extra uh, juice on the bone from him for DFS. So what are your take on Moreland? And are you as excited to play him, uh, I guess, solely in DFS as me? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, he's only going to play half the games. Chavis is mainly going to play first as well, uh, second sometimes behind Peraza, but they want Jose Peraza to be their everyday second baseman. Um, not really as high on Moreland as you. <laughs> he's, a, he's going to be 35 in September. Uh, he was an all-star in 2018, but that was pretty much his only really good offensive year. He's a much better defensive player than he is offensive player. He will get pitches behind J.D. Martinez because you'd rather pitch to anybody else in this lineup than J.D. Martinez. Um, but he, ha- he does have 20 to 25 home run potential in a full season. I would target him more. I would target him in the right matchups against righties, but um, he's not someone that I really uh, will invest in too much. He's just a, he, he's an older veteran coming off an injured year last year, and he hurt his hamstring in training or um, yeah training camp this year and preseason uh, spring training. I mean, so I'm not fully sure that uh, he's ready for this grind. But yeah, in the circum in the right circumstances, I'll look towards him. But I'm not gonna lock him in there. Um, and that's how I, that's where I, I get him. I, I get the Chavis. I don't mind it either. You know, I, I kind of, and that's why I like these guys who are platoon hitters that I can, I know I could target against righties because on those off days, let's say they face two lefty pitchers in a row. People are making their lineups. They're forgetting about Mitch Moreland. Uh, once that next righty comes up, he's not even on their mind. He's, you know, they're going through their first basements. They don't realize. So if you're telling me if throughout 162 game season, a guy can get me even 20 home runs when he's only playing in half the games, let's say that's still a great home run pace. So we're, we're not necessarily going to have to ever pay that sort of price tag that you'd get from a guy that can, you know, mash a ton of home runs. If he's playing 162 games or whatever, he's going to be a dirt cheap guy that flies under the radar at a position that I don't, I hate the depth at where all the, all the guys up at that position that we actually want to play are expensive. Um, and still, again, um, we, we can, we've talked about this righty stack that we can do with the Red Sox and he fits that mesh perfectly. So uh, that's that's just my take. I, I like him for DFS, um, I think, early on. I think that's where I'm going to see the most use for him. As far as an actual player and, you know, is, is this guy good? Not my favorite, no. He's not. I just think he makes sense for this uh, the righty stack in this lineup. <laughs> Mr. Michael Chavis, second baseman. Kind of came onto the scene, I guess. Not the same way as Devers might have, but uh, a guy that kind of, you know, I think his call-up was, uh, was it late April, early May? Uh, and just really hit the ground running. Um, you know, his biggest qualms with Michael Chavis is his plate discipline. He's, he lacks it. He basically has no plate discipline whatsoever. That's been his biggest struggle, uh, especially when he gets down in the count. So, I mean, that's something that we expect from a lot of young guys that can be easily improved. Sometimes it's just getting used to the major league pitching level or making small adjustments, watching the tape, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, I do expect a little bit of, uh, I guess, maybe a little bit higher of an OBP. Uh, maybe he's able to draw a few more walks. I don't, you know, you don't generally see people's plate discipline get much worse, I guess. Usually you, you imagine people, their eye gets better over the years. So why don't you explain to me what your expectations are for Mr. Chavis coming into the season? Yeah, that's, uh, 
I honest, I think there's going to be someone else that's going to be in that number five spot, not Moreland or Chavis. But, uh, yeah, he had 95 games last year. He had 18 home runs, 58 RBIs. He did have a 33.3% strikeout rate, so he struck out once every three at-bats, which is not something that you're going to want. Uh, but he was, he's been a top 100 prospect the past two years. He hits righties better. Um, he, well, in a small sample size last year. But, yeah, you're right. He burst onto that scene. He kind of fizzled out a little bit after that, but that initial one to two, three weeks that he came up after his call-up, he was hot. Um, he'll be 25 in August. Uh, I will I will target him in the right situations, uh, assuming that he can uh, curb that plate discipline a little bit because he did have a 19% line drive rate, which is not that bad. Um, but he's not going to be an everyday player at the moment because he doesn't have a full-time position but they are going to get him in the lineup more often than not. So I, he is someone that I will target on the right matchups as a cheap option, but he has to be in the lineup first. Yeah, I think my only quorum with playing Chavis is the position eligibility. Um, if he has second and first base eligibility, great. I'd play him at second. Don't think I'd play him as my first baseman. Um, and that's no quorums to him. I mean, if you look at uh, you know his at-bats compared to how many his home run total, he has the power potential to be just a you know solid corner infielder. Um, you know, I just rather take advantage of that almost like in a Max Muncy situation at the second base eligibility. Mm. It's just, I think that's where you can benefit the most to get the most value out of them. There's not many second basemen that have 35 homer potential. Um, you know, Chavis might not have that this early in his career, but down the road, I could definitely see that getting there, maybe 33, 34 home run total from a guy like that. So if he, if he keeps progressing, obviously, I mean, some guys just kind of level off and we never see yeah. him take that next step forward so i mean very early on in his career very limited sample size so we don't know much other than the fact that uh he could hit but he can also miss a lot and i think it, with the increase uh improvement in plate discipline um we'll see that line drive rate really excel for him that's that's the number one thing if he's making contact with that line drive rate it's only going to equal success so once the plate discipline gets there this guy's probably going to end up being um, a foundational piece i think for the red sox mm. I don't think he's a guy that's just going to be a platoon player or, you know, a utility player for them for long. I think eventually once Moreland's gone, it's he's the first baseman job is his. Um, I know that they also have a few other guys in their minor league system that they're waiting on. But until they're here and until they're actually forcing him out of the role, it will be his. So I like the the eligibility thing you brought up. Fandle is kind of uh, known. They don't really give you what you play if if, or uh, like people who can play multiple positions, even in basketball, they only give you one position for that guy a lot of the times, and it's something that irritates me. Yeah, and I can see him drawing first base, and just that being really yeah. annoying. Yeah, I even though he see that. played second base all all last year, I can see them doing that too. Yeah, hopefully they don't, because I think <laughs> that's that's where we're going to see the most amount of his value actually stem from, is if he's if he's playing second base. Um, all right, buddy, let's keep it moving now. Uh, seventh hole, I guess this is probably where, and I know, I know what you're uh, kind of alluding to where you think somebody else would be in that five spot. And I agree to you. I agree with you. I know exactly what you're talking about. We'll get to him shortly. Uh, you know, the big, the big ticket trade acquisition. Uh, but we also, I need to make sure he's healthy enough to even play once the season starts. So I think I'm, I'm approaching this as let's just say until I hear that he's ready for the opening day lineup. I'm considering him kind of ruled out. We're talking about Alex Verdugo, for those who don't know. I'm assuming that's who Santino was talking about. Um, I'm very high on Alex Verdugo. So we'll kind of touch on him a little bit once we break through the one through nine lineup, just because I fully do not expect him to be ready. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he is in there opening night. 
but this is what the lineup would look like if he's not in it. I guess we could say so. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure they'd probably put Christian Vasquez in the, in the seven hole. Um, and I, I mean, as far as Christian Vasquez goes, when you talk about, there's not a lot of catchers outside of maybe three or four names that have a tremendous upside, and then everybody else kind of falls into that you know C or B tier, and then it's just complete drop off. You know, I have a guy like Vasquez on the I'd say the upper end of the B tier. Um, you know, he's obviously not one of those household catching names that we're excited about pay, playing. Uh, but he's also not a, a bottom of the barrel guy that, you know, we can't actually capitalize off of on, on certain situations. So um, we don't need to spend a lot of time on him. Some some sites don't even use it. So why don't you uh, why don't you talk about Christian Vasquez for us? Yeah, depending on if you're playing catchers or not, or if it's a catcher slash first base eligibility, then uh, I'm not really looking at Vasquez whatsoever. If it's solely catcher, then, yeah, I'll be looking at him a little bit. Um he predominantly known for his his defense and his pitch framing. Uh, last year, he burst onto the scene in on his offensive game, 838 games, one of the healthier seasons from him. He was usually a platoon guy for that defense. Uh, he tore his ACL one year. He missed the entire year and pretty much most of the next season. Um, but 23 home runs, 26 doubles, 66 runs, 72 RBIs. He had a 201 ISO. We were talking about some people on the Yankees yesterday who are known for their power. They That's near where they were. Um, but his power comes predominantly against left-handers. Same hitting tool against both, but his power last year uh, was because he of improvement against lefties, and that's where I would target him if I had to. But yeah, um, amongst catchers, this is really good numbers. But I don't know. He's going to be 30 in August, um, something that... Maybe he. this is just the one-off year for a guy who never really known for his offensive game. Um, but it, it all depends on if it's just straight catcher eligibility in, in your whichever DFS site you're playing on. Perfect. We'll leave it at that. I think that's the, enough to be said. We don't need to spend too much time. I don't even <laughs> think we need to spend too much time on these last two guys that we're about to talk about, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Kevin Pillar, rounding out the outfield. Guys that are strictly defensive guys. I mean, Jackie Bradley had a little pop in his bat one season, disappeared. We've never really seen it to come come back again. So I'm not expecting it all of a sudden to come back bursting onto the scene. Not a guy that I'm probably going to play often, maybe just in those pl- uh, platoon splits if you wanted to get some bottom of the lineup, bar- bottom of the barrel, cheapest guy on the board kind of price tag. Uh, same thing with Pilar. He's not a guy that I'm really interested in either. Another guy known for his defense. One of these guys are going to get bumped as soon as Verdugo comes back. Uh, probably, I don't even know who it would be. They're both excellent. Def- I mean, Bradley's probably at this stage in the career, maybe a little bit better defensively, but Pilar is, is excellent as well. He's always been known for his arm as well in the outfield. So um, I guess the only thing that we really need to say about these guys, I don't think we need to spend too much time on them. A couple, is, a minute. I got a yeah, couple things. Yeah, why don't you, okay, <laughs> jump into it then. So, uh, yeah, both of them will be free agents to be after this year. So when Verdugo comes back, who... Uh, we should touch on right after this, but he said he was healthy in the beginning of May. He said he was 100%. So, again, I know you don't you don't like to hear players say they're 100% until they're on the field, but I'm going to go take his word for it. Um, but, yeah, Kevin Pillar had the best season of his career last year. The first year outside of Toronto, he had the best season of his career. Not a great season, but 21 home runs, 87 RBIs, uh, 37 doubles, 82 runs, 14 steals. He averages 37 doubles every 162 games played, so he is a guy who hits the gap. I'd rather have him more than J- Jackie Bradley Jr., but like you said, they're they're pretty similar. I'm not going to actively target either of these guys, but they're 
no slouch, I guess. Uh, Bradley Jr. had the second best year of his career last year outside of that uh, one year where we thought he was going to be a really good player and people were, were touting him up. Uh, he had 21 home runs last year too, 20% line drive rate, but a 27% strikeout rate. Uh, this guy just swings at a lot of garbage. And until he changes that, I'm not going to attack him. But one of these guys is probably, to me, going to get traded because they are going to be free agents at the end of the year. And Verdugo is going to be in that outfield for one of these two guys. So I can see uh, whoever can bring back the best package, per se, and whoever needs an outfielder depth, because they're both good defenders. So whoever needs the whoever brings back the most bang for their buck in a return is probably going to get moved. And that just I think fixes it. I think it. at this stage it might be Pilar just because he's done it longer. I mean, if you're if you're actually trading for a veteran that you're looking to make an impact right now, that whether it's defensively, his bat's slightly better as well. I think Pilar would be the guy that would bring more of a haul. But it's at this stage in the career, neither guy's bringing a great mm. haul. You're getting it's, yeah. it's like it's like a throwing piece almost. It seems like. <laughs> um, okay, man. Um, cool, cool. Let's break it down then. Alex Verdugo, you think he's going to be ready? I'm a little more, more skeptical on it, and I think it's almost the same sentiment I had yesterday with Aaron Judge. It's an injury that was just. It's been plaguing this guy. It's not a recent one. This has been bothering him from like a year, a year and a half almost. Something dating back since like uh, the beginning of last season that couldn't play through, tried to let it heal on its own, wasn't healing on its own kind of thing. And he says he's good. I read that too. He said he's 100% healthy. Um, I, if, I, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard a player say he's in the best shape of his career during the offseason, I'd be a rich man, Santino. So I, I try not to take too much of just that at face value. I think everybody feels good when you're sitting on your couch, not playing, you know what I mean? But once you actually back in the lineup and you're swinging every single day and you're playing every day, uh, that's the one thing that worries me. These back injuries, same thing with oblique and ribs. When the body turns, I have a bad back, Santino. I can't play baseball. It's the one sport I can't play anymore. If I swing a bat, I can't, like a metal bat or a wooden bat, I can't move for three days. So I get worried about this kind of stuff. So I'm not, I'm not saying that he's got the same, you know, back injury as me this is probably worse if anything I'm a, I'm a little baby about it uh but i i kind of i'm worried about it i guess we could say if he's in the lineup he's good to go i absolutely love it i think he's gonna be excellent i think he's gonna fly under the radar whether it's season long dfs we're not paying a big price tag because he never really had it and the only reason he doesn't have a big price tag is because he played in a environment where they have 57 outfielders and they platoon everybody so he never really had a chance to show that his role an everyday role. So I'm really excited about Verdugo, but you know, you seem to be as well. So I'll pass it over to you and why don't you let me know why? Yeah. So I love how you brought up the the best shape in your career. This is a little different saying that you feel good and healthy than the best shape, but I know what you're saying. Cause I, when people say that to him, like, Oh, okay. Everybody's in the best shape. What of their were you career. doing the first eight years of career then? Like, why wouldn't you yeah, right? do this? I don't get it. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, but yeah, this guy's been a, Top 25 prospect the last two years. Uh, overall prospect. He is uh, he was a, the best prospect in the Dodgers system for a few years, and they have some of the best prospects in baseball. Um, he just could not play because they had so many damn outfielders, and it, it was just that, that's where their position was stacked at. They could barely get Yock Peterson, who was also their top prospect for a few years in a regular role. And then he finally got in a semi-regular role on um, then Cody Bellinger and six. It was just a, a gluttony of outfielders for him. So he didn't get a full ever get that full chance. But last year he, that was his best chance that he got for the, as a semi-regular role. He had 377 plate appearances, uh, 12 home runs, 22 doubles, 43 runs, 44 RBIs. 
not too shabby for a guy that was a part-time player and whatnot. Um, he doesn't fully have the power yet, but I expect that will be coming soon. Uh, he's another guy. We talked about uh, Miguel Andujar, who hits the gaps. This dude knows how to hit gaps. Uh, he will draw, He will hit a lot of doubles. Uh, he will be my favorite Red Sox to play in DFS this year, strictly because of price tag. I'm not saying he's better than J.D. Martinez or, or Rafael Devers, etc., but his price tag will be, I can't see it topping uh, the top 50 outfielders, for especially in the beginning of the year, because he, he never really played. Um, so this is a guy I want to target. And he hits both lefties and righties, so you don't have to uh, really look at the splits for him. He can play there every day. Um, and since we don't have a big sample size, I want to say a little bit about his 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 numbers in AAA, 874 appearances in AAA, 321 batting average, 389 OBP, uh, 452 slugging. Uh, again, he, he hits more gaps and he hits home runs, but that's good. I think in the number five hole where I think he's going to be, he's going to have a lot of opportunities for RBIs once he's healthy. Uh, last year, breaking down, he had a 26% line drive rate. Uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, 13% K rate, so he doesn't strike out. Uh, he had he only had 49 strikeouts and he had 26 walks. So he's already a guy who doesn't swing at bad pitches. Has really good plate discipline and he's ready to just crush it in Fenway Park, which is going to be perfect for him. I'm glad we're on the same page, buddy. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this guy. He's one of those guys uh, I know I'm, I might have to fight you on our season-long draft for because it sounds like <laughs> we both have some interest in. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> I, I want him. That price tag, no matter where you're playing, it, whether it's season-long, DFS, regardless of the site, it's going to be cheap. We're not we're not paying it. And I can imagine that within the you know five to eight games, it's going to end up starting to jump up and rise slowly. You know, maybe we get a couple bad games out of the gate that keeps it depressed, but it's not going to last. This kid's very good at yeah. baseball. Really looking forward to seeing him. And this is this is the opportunity that he needed. So you got to imagine he's excited about this opportunity. And for a team that lost Mookie Betts, they were pretty excited about this kid. Like getting him back in return, I, I, you know, it's not it's not it's not equivalent. It's not Mookie Betts, but it's yeah, not Mookie Betts. But they were still pretty excited to get him back. It's not like they just didn't get anything back. They got pennies on the dollar. I get that, but they're good pennies. They're shiny pennies that he got. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. But let's jump over there to the pitching staff. Uh, uh, I know you're one, one more guy uh, oh, who's okay. going. Jose Peraza, he's going to start at second base for the year. Uh, just wanted to touch on him a little bit. He's not really a DFS target because of the pop he doesn't have it but he is a speedster um he does have 77 career stolen bases but he's been caught 30 times and that's the reason why he isn't among the league leaders and steals a lot but i think he's going to get the green light to run uh the new interim manager loves this kid he wants to play him every day and no not so much dfs but in season long leagues i think he's a cheap source of steals who has 30 plus uh I have 30-plus written all over him for him, assuming he can play. He had a bad 2019, but I think he's going to improve, and he's just going to be a cheap um, source of steals that you might not even have to draft, to be honest with you. I just wanted to touch on him a little. Yeah, and uh, that's worth, I guess, (laughs) noting. Um, I'll probably never play. I I hate – the only time I ever play somebody in DFS in hopes that they steal a base is if John Lester's on the mound or (laughs) somewhere, some crazy situation where I pretty much know that they're going to run. Uh, yeah. You know, we may have a couple of situations that we could target for him, but, you know, you, you hit it. There's no real pop that we can really depend on. So that's the one thing. 
Um, all right, cool, cool, man. Worth mentioning. Uh, let's let's run it over, I guess, to the rotation. Then I know you're super <laughs> excited to talk about this guy. So I'm I'm barely gonna I'm I'm gonna say his name. I'm gonna let you run with it because you've been talking about him for weeks now, right? Way before we knew we were gonna do another Red Sox show, you've been hyping this guy up. So talk about him. He's your boy. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez coming off a career year. He is now the ace of this rotation. Chris Sale down with Tommy John. Uh, not going to have him back. And uh, you know, hopefully he can come back and see, you know, be Chris Sale again. I don't know if we'll ever get to see that same exact type of high performance level. I think this may be like the downward swing for his career. Maybe I'm wrong on it. And I hope I am. But until we get to see that, he's the ace. Eduardo Rodriguez coming off an amazing season. So why don't you break him down? Yeah, so Erod's been on. We you touched on season long leagues. Erod's been on my team for probably the last three or four years. Uh, I, I just I've been waiting for this guy to finally put it all together and finally get everything right. And he he finally did it at the last, second half of last year. Uh, well, overall he had a 3.81 ERA, uh, a 1.32 WHIP. 9.4 K per nine. And that's the thing that I really like about him. And in his career is he's, he averages a strikeout per inning uh, in 2018. It was in double digits uh, for K per nine. His walk rate is something that if he wants to be an ace and he wants to get go longer in, in games, he's going to have to curb um, a career 3.2 walks per nine career one, 1.1 home runs per nine. So those two things are the things that are um, just, disheartening for me but he finally he got 203 innings pitched last year uh one thing that really annoyed me especially in dfs when he had those right matchups uh he a lot of times i don't know what it was but alex cora tended to take him out at 5.2 innings really really grinded my gears because not only do you not get that extra out but you don't get that quality start and a a lot of those times it was 5.2 innings two earned or, or, or one earned, and you don't get those extra points for quality starts. Um, it, would, it was just something that I saw more than I wanted to, and it just stuck with me, and it really annoyed me. Oh, there's a little gnat right there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love this kid. In the second half of last year, he had a 295 ERA um, in at 9.6K per nine in 100 innings. He just he started to put things together. His breaking ball is one of the best – spin rates in the league he it's a very very good out pitch assuming that he continues the improvement um i just see nothing nothing but really good things from this kid and he's the only guy on this pitching staff that i want exposure to or want to target um i literally don't want to touch anybody else yeah no like i that's the perfect sentiment he's the only guy that you has even a pulse on this pitching staff at this moment um and that can be said for the bullpen as well i mean this and that's my worry i guess when we talk about a guy like erod i think the stuff is there you hit the whip i think that's the big worry, and that's the that's the worry for everybody in the in the rotation not only are they have just loaded with bad pitchers a lot of the guys that struggle with command uh and can give a lot of free passes and when you don't have an excellent bullpen necessarily to back that up um, you know, when we're talking about a lot of guys in the bullpen that have a whip of 1.3 or higher as well, it's dangerous. <laughs> it leaves a lot of, and maybe, maybe that goes back to your Peraza thing where maybe they let them run wild because they're going to be chasing. This team might be chasing yeah. a lot of runs. And that's my worry with them is that when you look at Erod in a successful season, a lot of that had to do with the win column. And that's where we were getting a lot of our fantasy points were from his wins. Um, and that was doing it without letting him go in, long into games. Are they going to be able to rack up as many wins for him? That's my only concern. Um, I think that maybe that takes a small step back into maybe more of that 15, 
you know, 15, 16 range. And I think that might be the high side, in my opinion. Um, and I know you're probably going to say I'm wrong. And that's cool, man. I love disagreeing with you because it wouldn't be a show if we agreed on everything. <laughs> it would be one of us doing this by ourselves. So that's kind of my sentiment with him. I still think he's an excellent pitcher. He is clearly going to be their ace. Uh, I'm just worried about necessarily the the free passes, the run support, uh, or not the run support, the bullpen support that he's going to have. Um, and then just this this overall, I feel like they're going to be finding themselves chasing. Um, and a, a lot of pitching is mentality. Uh, when you know you have run support, when you know you have a, a small lead, whether it's a two-run lead or whatever it may be, makes life easier for you. Um, might be a little bit different for them this season, but we shall see, my good friend. Um, I really don't even want to talk about the rest of these guys, but I guess we have to. This is unbearable. Yeah. Uh, Nate Evaldi, uh, had guy throws two pitches. He's got gas. Um, but when it's not, when those two pitches aren't on, his main concern is getting through an order three times. <laughs> we just talked about this bullpen. It's rough. It's really rough. It's not going to be able to help him very often. Um, yeah. but guy can hit triple digits on the gun. He has one really, really good breaking pitch that he uses to get a lot of his strikeouts. Um, other than that, he's literally, he, and his fastball has zero, like zero movement. And that's the issue with it. He can throw 103 miles an hour, <laughs> but, but this guy can't throw anywhere more than just straight line it goes in a straight line it's a very hittable pitch once players get to see that speed and can time that speed uh it's toast so i don't know your sentiments on evaldi for him to be a number two pitcher for this team scares the living daylights out of me and i do not see myself playing him often i mean i guess the positive is when he's on he's on the strikeouts will be there he'll have himself a good game but i don't think he's gonna be on more often than not yeah um i said some things that stuck out with erod uh, that aren't great, but I, there's just something about him that I keep coming back for more until that breakout comes. Uh, Eovaldi, you could probably use a lot of things, not me personally, but something there with that triple digits has the consensus uh, re- people reviewing. They constantly project this guy for a breakout. I don't know why, why other than he throws 100 miles an hour, but it, it, it is something that's there. I think he has way more bark than bite. I don't even think he has any bite. I just think he's a little those the four foot uh, chihuahua or four inch chihuahuas that just constantly bark and don't do anything. This guy last year was a very bad year. Um, he had it was his <clears throat> his uh, first year with a K per nine over eight point four. That's pretty good. But for a guy who throws triple digits and is constantly projected as a breakout. Wouldn't you expect more strikeouts per inning for a guy who doesn't go deep into games? You'd want him to um, curb that with more strikeouts, but he doesn't really do that. He's injured way too often uh, for you to even rely upon. Um, But last year he had a, he gave up 2.1 home runs per nine, 2.1 home runs. If that doesn't scare you off, maybe this will 4.7 walks per nine. Uh, those, (laughs) Those were Clearly, the career career highs and uh, not in line with his career norms, but his career norms aren't really great either. So I uh, I just uh, he only has one year over 155 starting pitch or innings pitched. Uh, lefties he's much better versus lefty or mu- lefties are much better versus him than righties. But uh, I can only maybe target him in the right matchups against a, a Baltimore yeah, Orioles. Cause right, I'll, yeah. I could probably get a couple outs against the Orioles. No offense, <laughs> but um, fair enough. Yeah, there's really yeah, – I don't nah. really have anything good to say about him. I don't understand why he keeps getting projected for a breakout. Maybe there is something to that, but I don't it know has, it he's 30 years old now, and it's it's never even come close to fruition. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if I, the only thing I guess if I wanted to play devil's advocate and before Evaldi is, you know, I guess we can maybe give him, uh, I don't even want to say a pass for the bad season last season because he did, when he came over to the Red Sox, they, it was that postseason. They, they acquired the guy to have that extra arm in the postseason. They went a little deeper. He threw some extra innings. I get, yeah, I can't do it. He sucks. Just keep it and moving. He, and he got paid for that. So yeah. good for him. Uh, that postseason yeah. got him money. Uh, and then he went right back into the tank. All right, next guy, Martin Perez. We're not playing this dude. He has one of the worst paper <laughs> nines in baseball. <laughs> he has no control. Like, like if you can't strike someone out and you don't have control, I don't know how you're even pitching anymore at this point. But he's a guy. He's their third guy. He's supposedly going to try to eat some innings for him. No protection behind him as far as bullpen support to help him. I'm not playing him, man. Do we? I, I don't even want to spend too much time on these pitchers. It's tough, yeah. man. He was actually pretty good in March through May last year, uh, which really pissed me off because he sucks. And then uh, his first half of the year, he had a 4.26 ERA, and then he just was flat out garbage the rest of the year. Pretty much in line with his career, he's been pretty much flat out garbage. Uh, I will certainly pass. I'm sorry, Martin <laughs> Perez. I don't mean any offense. Uh, I, if he was your fifth starter, maybe, but yeah, ouch. He prefers Martin. It's not Martin. Martin. Martin <laughs> Perez. Um, but he sucks either way. Whatever yeah. you want to call him, he's not good. Same thing. Let's keep it moving. Ryan Weber. Jesus. Man, this is brutal. I that's, feel your, so- that's the number four. Um, <laughs> he, I think I think right, Evaldi is not a num- is not good. I don't have anything nice to say about Ryan Weber, though. Johnson. <laughs> good good for Brian, Ryan Weber that he is. Um, he's still back at it. He's still getting out there. Uh, I know the interim manager likes him. He's, he, he's, he's a solid guy, and he's uh, he's getting another chance in the rotation. So good for him for that. I will not be using you. you Brian sound like, Johnson. You sound like somebody being called into, like, uh, you know, like you just you were training some kid at IHOP, and you just did a terrible job. <laughs> boss is asking, well, how'd the new guy do? And you're like, well, uh, he gave the good old – you know, effort. He showed up. Uh, yeah. That's trying to improve. He's coming back. He's continuing. I will give him the benefit of the doubt, but <laughs> on your team, I don't want to be his, his, his floor manager. He won't get much. <laughs> and uh, we'll keep it moving. Brian Johnson, geez, it doesn't get any better. Uh, if you're behind Ryan Weber, I think that says something about you. Um, at least this guy's a little bit younger. I guess that's where we can year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look into it. Uh, the positives. He's got a little bit more potential. We we've, we've seen him get blown up a little bit, maybe less. I don't know, man. None of these. This these are the guys that you want to target when you see these guys are on the mound, man. Just go ahead, stack it up any which way you like against them. Uh, the bullpen's not going to be there to bail them out. Uh, you know, even if it is there, they probably are already bailed out. Uh, Ivaldi or Rodriguez a day before or a few days prior. So it's like they're, pro- they're this is these are the guys I'm looking to target all day. Especially when we look think about the division and the guys that we can put against them. That's what we're going to yeah. say about. So Brian Johnson is technically he has the upside. Uh, he was their top pitching prospect way back in 2015 before the season started. Uh, he was next. He was looked at as one of the maybe or, or uh, maybe the future ace of this team, maybe the number two, number three starter. But he has literally underwhelmed at every chance he's had in the majors, and not just the majors. Majors. He's underwhelmed every chance he's had in the minors as well. Um, since since he was their top pitching prospect, so he technically has the upside. If someone in this ragtag 
bottom four group is going to do something, it would be him. But I'm passing. Uh, you're going up against the Yankees more often than not. You're going up against a good race squad, a very good lineup in Toronto as well. The, even the Orioles will give these guys some trouble. Yeah. Um, this this is a situation. All these guys, I'm attacking, attacking, attacking. And that's pretty much it for the like. And, and the bullpen, you you kept bringing it up. Uh, this Trash. bullpen is bad too. The bull, I'd rather have the bullpen than this starter starting rotation. But it's, I mean, you lost Chris Sale to injury. I get that. That's heartbreaking. This guy's a top five starter when he's healthy. Uh, you just traded David Price, who hasn't been as great as lately, but um, much better than anything you have. And now you put your number three guy, who you were hoping for a big improvement, and now he's your number, your number one. He's your ace. And then everybody else who shouldn't even sniff rotations has has it. I mean, I if Colin McHugh is ready to be a starter again, I could see him jumping in there. I know they want um, Darwinson Hernandez, possibly uh, one of their young guys, to maybe jump in there. He has some upside. He can strike out people. Um, but still, I'm not – I don't know. I don't want to target them. And I think the most prevalent thing with this group, especially with Weber, Johnson, uh, they're going to have an opener in that fifth spot. I, I can pretty much see this. Once Ryan Weber or Brian Johnson get bombarded in game one, game two, game three, I think they switch to an opener, uh, but just play a, a big bullpen game. It's going to be harder because you have to get three outs at least. So it's it's a little different doing that now, but uh, I can't trust these guys to go any more than two innings. No, no, me neither. And I'm, uh, you know, not going to be looking for that upside that is there. I mean, I'll let somebody else have it, take yeah. a chance on it, and it's not worth it. All right, cool, man. I mean, we expected it to be about, uh, you know, much shorter than the Yankees podcast. Guess what it was? A lot of unsexy pieces that we had to go over. and But there is the little sexy gems that we got to touch to. So, I'm, I'm you know, it's always glad. I'm, I'm happy we do these shows simply because I get my builds already in my mind for when the season does start, depending on who's going to be on the mound. And I think we've kind of, you know, pointed out a few different ways that we could attack this Red Sox lineup and a few ways that we could just attack uh, the bottom of the this Red Sox rotation, man, every time I look at it, it just makes me want to throw up. How bad <laughs> it. What you're a wrestling dude. So like, what's like a tag team, like partnership that would just go in there just to basically get decimated every single time. Like they, like um, you knew when these dudes were going in the ring that they were going to lose pretty much no matter what. Yeah. They're, they're, they're called jobbers. And, uh, that, that's the, the guys who get fed to the, the star level talent or someone that you're trying to build up in wrestling. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but you call them jobbers. A lot of times they're even local talents. They're not even part of the, the promotion. They just, uh, come in there to, jobbers. Yeah, they come in there to wrestle a minute, maybe two and just get beat down. Uh, that's, that was a perfect comparison because these guys are jobbers. If I see yeah. a jobber on the thing on the slate, I'm going to try and attack them. Uh, they might not even, Funny thing is, they they might not go two innings, so they could literally be jobbers. That's what we're gonna we're, we're gonna try to use that I think more often now. When we're just talking <laughs> about these bottom of the barrel guys that they're just gonna have they're just jobbers. They're here for one reason, and it's to get somebody else on the other team in the lineup paid, and that is what's going to happen. But 
Uh, as always, guys, thank you for listening. And uh, I'd like to just give another, before we take off, another quick shout out to our presenting sponsors. You know, this podcast today was brought to you by TVG. Uh, and if you guys do not know what TVG is, it's where the world watches and wagers on uh, horse racing. So please, guys, go check out TVG. You can join them at DFS Coach Talk and get an exclusive risk-free offer bet of $300. And also, please check out BetUS. Uh, go to BetUS.com. Bet us. Bet us how you spell it. Uh, <laughs> for all your sports wager needs, whether it's parlays, uh, you want to just get a little bit of action, money lines, whatever it is that, uh, you know, wet your whistle. Uh, I'm a parlay guy. I don't bet games often, Santino. I think you know that about me. But if I do, I, I'm, a, I'm a go big or go home guy. I'm just going to try to risk it for the biscuit and parlay something that I think I have my, my pulse on. So once in a while, I'm getting my action. And that is where we do it. And then please, if you have anything to spare, anything that you want to make a difference with, go check out MambaOn3.org. It is the foundation that we love to try to steer people towards because we're the Kobe stands over here. And, uh, you know, once once what everything happened, we just really wanted to try to shoulder any load that we could send even if it's one or two people over there i think it's just a little bit of a difference maker so uh you can find me on twitter at mike apatria m-i-k-e-a-p-o-t-r-i-a you can find santino at santino cocone s-a-n-t-i-n-o-c-a-c-c-o-n-e uh and then you can find us at dfs coach talk on twitter so check us out guys we're all over the place come join our discord we have tons of content going on uh in there we're gearing up right now i think we've been doing pretty well in this kbo action shout out to coach andrew uh, and Shane, they've been putting in the grind over there in recent days. So glad to see that they're turning some results. Uh, we're gearing up ready for this MLB season, man. But I don't know. Do you have anything else that you'd like to leave us on before we take off out of here? Yeah, I'm going to steal and use the jobber term now a lot more in baseball or, or other sports because I think it's hilarious. I don't know <laughs> why I never uh, put two and two together before. I just call them bad. But <laughs> the jobbers makes it makes it wow. less rude to say but funny. I, and I can't believe I'm giving you credit. It. Before exactly. you say it, I can't that's, believe I'm giving you credit for something. That's it. Before that's you... it. I want to end it right there. <laughs> I don't want to say anything else. He just said I had a good joke. He gave you credit on something. I couldn't think of a better way to send off the show. Uh, can we edit? Can we fix that in editing? <laughs> no, that's there, buddy. Everybody's going to hear that. So I uh, appreciate you, buddy. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to be on Santino. I don't know if you're going to be on. Uh, but we are one of the only platforms that's pumping out a show every single day, seven days a week. So you can best believe that we will be here. As always, guys, thank you for listening. I'm going to take my good joke and leave on that note. <laughs> and if you got, oh, what am I doing? Give us a rate and review. I forgot about that. Go on, go on YouTube, subscribe, give us a rate and review as well. Five star, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio. I can pretty much fart that out of my mouth now um, at 90 miles an hour. So. Give us a nice little positive review, and we'll keep coming up with more, for, more fun terms like jobbers for yeah. you guys. To I keep believe running. tomorrow uh, it's actually we're bringing back a little bit of basketball. Uh, I'm going back through teams, I'm, I'm pretty sure Coach and Andrew are doing a, a basketball pod tomorrow. Yep. Um, maybe the Lakers. Yeah, I know we went through all the teams earlier, but we're now that we know that there's one sport at least coming back, we're still waiting to hear baseball's uh fate out there but basketball is ready to go and rocking and we we're gonna hit up some of the more important teams until we have uh a basketball back in the at least 22 of them <laughs> yeah all right guys that's <laughs> it from us take off uh and have a good week guys we'll be back with you tomorrow